You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Special guests and off topics in this segment, anything goes. You're listening to 3 p.m. Welcome to the 3 a.m. podcast. My name is DJ. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. And today, it's a very special 3 p.m. episode with the one, the only, the highly requested and sought after, the legend herself, the beautiful Leah Hardy. (laughs) Welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back. Good, good, good. We are... uh, very excited to say the <laughs> yeah. least yeah. Uh, about this. Um, we tell you all the time, but everybody <laughs> loves your episode. So easily we, one of our favorite episodes. We had to have you come back. Mm-hmm. So I remember specifically after recording your episode, we all talked and we were like, that felt like what we could be, like our potential as far as like how good it was. I remember specifically being like, <laughs> that set the bar super high. <laughs> right. Like, oh, no. Yeah. And we've never been this good before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. It was like a paradigm shift for us. But I just yeah. remember leaving it feeling like I want to do that again. <laughs> it was fun to do that. So it was mutual. <laughs> yeah. So you like to hear. Yes. Um, we also have Leah's sister Lynn in the house. Hey yo. So, real quick, if you haven't listened to the first episode that Leo was on, go and listen to that first. That'll help answer. Uh, a lot of basic questions uh, concerning skinwalkers and Native American culture, specifically specifically Navajo. And uh, yeah, a lot of good insight. It's uh, I say basic questions, but a lot is unknown in like the common knowledge of skinwalkers. Like a lot of people don't know the origins and... Mm-hmm. The whereabouts and how to kill how to become one, how to kill one. <laughs> yes. And you you address a lot of that. And uh Leah's credibility comes from a long line of of medicine men. Her and fam- women. And women. Very well known men and women in her family who was very rooted in their culture. But yeah, go ahead and ch- listen to that episode first. It's called then, 3 p.m. Leah Hardy on Skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Came out maybe like two years ago. Mm. And then come back. Right Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leo, what's going on in your life? What are you up to right now? Oh, well, it's crazy to think that was two years ago that we did that episode. <laughs> yeah. um, since then, I've graduated uh, from with my master's. So oh, I, I, big, yeah. big, big girl. Yes. That's dope. Congrats. Yes. I am a school psychologist. So cool. just helping kids and especially within the school system. So I do that every day. So I'm sure you've been busy the last two years then. Yes, the pandemic yep. really mm-hmm. threw things off. But job security, like all of our job. <laughs> like mental illness. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, right now you're working. Yes, I'm working. And then I just, it's kind of crazy because I went from being a student in 
living that student life and now I'm not. So I'm just trying to figure out hobbies and trying to figure out what do I want to spend my time doing now that I have it. So <laughs> And have you figured some of it out? Some of it. Yeah. And um, what has that led you to? <laughs> I'm a loner. Like I feel like I just go home and, and I just do my own thing. Um, but I like buy I bought a kayak. I'm trying to do more outdoor oh, outdoor kind of things. So cool. and then just uh, my sisters own a small business, so I help them with that too. Dope. Shout out the business. What is it? Yeah, it's um, it's centered around Native culture. So my sister, Lynn, who's here, she's a graphic designer for it, but it's called Adropatsani. And so... How do you spell that? Uh, I can't tell you off the top okay. of my head. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just, we'll link it in Instagram. Yeah. You guys have an Instagram page? We do have an Instagram page. Okay, we'll page. link it there, yeah. Yes. Um, but the the... The, it trans it's a Navajo word and it translates out to the benevolent sisters and it's tied to in my last episode I talked about um, a specific area that's special to my family so it's tied to my family's um, homestead in the land that we're from so um, we just make products make coloring books shirts and we also like to contribute to nonprofits on a Navajo reservation to dig wells and um, those different kind of causes. So we want to give back to the reservation. So that's what we do. Heck yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I legit, we should get some shirts. Do you sell dude shirts? Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it open to everyone? Yes. Okay. We we want to make sure that we, it's not just for Native Americans. Dope. We think that everybody should be able to, you know, if they want to learn about it and wear things we want to. We just want everybody to feel like they're, you know, mm-hmm. not like it's just just brown people and like it's for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because like nowadays it's like you don't necessarily know what you're kind of allowed to like. I don't know. Some people might. Mm-hmm. How do I say this? Some people might might not be the happiest when you like partake of their culture. Like they want to keep it safe and guarded or some people would openly want to share it and like partake. So it's good to know. I always like being able to partake in other cultures and stuff. So. Yeah. I get real annoying when I get in Hawaii, pretend like I'm Hawaiian and <laughs> I'm trying to be as Hawaii as possible. But anyway, um, I've realized that and no culture is without its, you know, flaws here and there. But I've realized that all my native friends, like they're the most hyperactive about like sharing and educating about mm-hmm. their culture. Mm-hmm. And they like out of like anybody I know, like love, you know, being native more than Sean being white. You know, no, Dude, all I, I my know. native um, friends are the ones trying to block people from doing stuff. <laughs> no, um, like all of my native friends are like starting businesses and um, all the like providing content online to educate people about their people mm. and like bring awareness. And it's really beautiful. I love seeing all of it. So yeah, I have just a, a part of that circle. Yeah. I have a homie, Sam. He's Navajo as well. Photographer. I'll link his IG, but yeah, every photo is, is about sharing specifically his culture, which I think is dope. Like we need more of that. And I, it's like cross partaking. I'm just all about it. You know what I mean? Like sharing it with everyone. Yeah. And I think that's what I, if we're going back to the episode that I did, I think that's, so it's not the stories that I told are not, you know, they're just ghost stories or like stories that, you know, can't fire. These are, cultural stories these are things that not just me but my family like it's a family story people believed in it people draw strength from it and and it's just it's like a cultural thing and it has a lot of meaning to it so i think that's why like native american history and stories their history is orally kept through stories so 
scary storytelling is one of those things that we do and we're really good at it. So, <laughs> um, so that, that in and of itself is like a, is a culture, like you're, we're partaking in a, a, a Native American tradition now just by speaking our stories and things like that. So I think that's the thing that makes it special and why I love doing this with you guys because I feel like it carries that on. Like it means more to me. Mm. Appreciate it. One theme from your episode that I took away and I feel like we have um, spoken to many times, it's not just like what we learned about like skinwalkers and the, and the reservation, uh, which was all amazing. But we talk about like how your mom, your grandma, um, how they treated fear and how they like reacted to it. We t- constantly talk about that. <laughs> like when you're, what, what, what did your mom say right before you went out the door? Do you remember you quoted all the time? No we time. can't afford to be oh, yeah. scared. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something yes. to that effect. Yeah, we can't. Um, and that's the mentality that I was raised with. And I mean, I and my family and, and taught me like there's evil, there's scary things. Like don't think that those things are not real, but you have power over that. And we can't just walk around and be scared. And my grandmother, and that's the sad thing. My grandmother, who I talk about in these stories, who was just such a driving force in our family, she died this past year in April. And so I think both of you reached out to me to, to do a second a follow-up to do this session, but I just was not in a mental place because I just, my grandmother, who was a strong living force of just pure strength and fearlessness, was not here on this earth. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think, because I never thought that she would die or she would pass. Um so I kind of had to come to terms with um, processing fear and processing loss and and how do I keep going and keeping that mentality going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm good. I'm in a good place. And my mother, now I'm realizing that now it's in me and I have that. It's, it's yeah, if any of that makes sense. But <laughs> totally. yeah, for sure. My The women in my family are in, don't mess with them. Do not get in their face. Don't mess with their kids. Like they will go at you. It doesn't matter if you're a skinwalker. Don't come around the the women of Gray Mountain. Hey. We will give it to you. <laughs> what is it? The women of Gray Mountain? Yes. The, so is that where you're from? Yes. Where Zithla Bay is the Navajo words translate translated out to Gray Mountain. So green or gray? Gray. 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 Um, but so- yeah. So my grandmother has a reputation for taking no crap from anybody. <laughs> but yep. I love, so we obviously, we have a scary story podcast where a lot of times we're sharing, you know, a little bit more lighthearted, spooky things. Sometimes we dive into like pretty intense stuff, but we have an interesting relationship with fear and we talk about fear a lot. And a lot of these stories are fun because they're scary. Um, but just like the attitude you and your family have towards fear, I feel like is such an important lesson to learn. And the first person I really learned that from was uh, a Maori kid who I lived with in Australia. And he, we would talk about ghosts and stuff. And he just told me when he was brought up, his grandpa said, like, if you feel a presence, you just, like, tell it to shut up. You were just, like, you'd be straight with it. And you, like, show strength. And and I don't know. For me, it was kind of a foreign concept or it's something that, like, I feel like everyone needs a little reminding, you know, mm-hmm. because this can be real depending on, like, your level of belief. And it's a good lesson to know because I feel like it brings you protection and it's just a place of power rather than like giving your power up to whatever you're afraid of. But no, that was like my favorite, one of my favorite takeaways of your episode. Mm-hmm. And like we constantly reference it. So I love that. I love, yeah, my grandma, 
where me and my sister were talking on the way up here, just kind of reviewing the details of the stories that we wanted to share. And we're just remembering how my grandma was always like, because that's one of the characteristics of skinwalkers is that they come at night. They don't come during the day. They do a lot of their works during the night. And my grandma used to always say, you know, come to my house when it's light. Come say it to my face then. Like, why you got to come and, you know, do your evil stuff? And so it's kind of like we say, that's our saying. It was like, come to my house in the day. Like, come yeah. say it to me then. Um, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. That's straight up gangster. Yes. Like, yes. your grandma is the one who's saying, you should be They were probably afraid of your yes. grandma. Yeah. 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 yeah, for real. I'm flipping the tables here. Yeah. Yes. In skinwalker training, they're like, dude, stay away from. Everyone else, don't go there. Yeah. Don't go there. That's yeah. Dope. Now I know we've directed people to go listen to your episode, but if you could kind of briefly like talk about your background in history and maybe just refresh us on like what Skinwalker is, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, so a history of Skinwalkers. So I, I just want to put it out there that I am one person. Um, I only speak exclusively for my culture my not navajo background but within the navajo culture there are it's it's big reservation and um there's a lot of members and so each region has their own you know this is what a skinwalker is and this is how they came to be so my the, i can only tell you what i was taught and what i was learning and, and things like that but it may differ from another person who's from a different part of the res i say res and that's short for reservation so in so it's different okay. so this is just me this is my stories what my family told me um if anybody want to at me go at Pull me come come for me <laughs> um but i will say that um so the the native the navajo term for a skinwalker is yenaskoshi and we just shorten it to yanni um, and it's basically, it's, it's a witch. So it's a, this person has made an alliance with an evil power to gain glory and power and riches and, and that kind of thing. Um, and the way that you become a witch is that you have to kill someone that you really, really love in, in that act is how you gain that power. And then you use the bones from their dead body and you grind it into powder and they carry in this little pouch. And that's what they use to carry their, their spells and their different things like that. Um, and the term for that is gushing. Like they're, they're, they're witching you. They're, they're casting their spells or whatever on you. Um, it's gushing, uh, an English word. It's a Navajo word. Oh, gushing. Yeah. Um, and so, they originated, I think, back in the days. So the Navajo culture or Navajo people originally back in the ancient days where we were a warring people. So we um, we were just known to like, like be really ruthless and to because um, you have to be like if you were trying to survive against like different tribes and um, as the Mexicans and Spaniards, you know, were coming in, we're trying to protect our culture and different things like that. And so from what I understand, the skinwalkers originated because they were, they, you know, their powers were used to protect um, warriors. But then along the way, that it became evil. People started using it for, um, you know, purposes to gain their own power for themselves. Um, Native American culture... Uh, relatively is like a collective mindset. You you care about everybody else. Um, 
nothing you do is for you. It's for, it's for everybody. It's for the people. That's what, um, the Navajo, Navajo is, is, I think it's a Mexican word or Spanish word, but the real, the real name that we call ourselves is Dene, which means the people. So we've come across that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I said Dene, so my yeah. bad. I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, Dene. Yeah, it's Dene. So, um, yeah, so, um, witchcraft and, um, it, they, and they, they can also shape shift into animals. So, um, but they choose nuts of their own choosing. The most I've ever heard, like they look like dogs or, you know, wolves or bears or that's what I've heard. But most of the, the interactions that my family has had, um, they've taken shape of like horses or weird looking dogs. Um, they, uh, they go out at night and the best night for a, a Yanni is skinwalker is a dark night that is clear. So it's a clear, dark night and it's windy so that when they walk, their tracks are blown mm. by the wind and they communicate through whistling. So you don't ever, don't ever go to a reservation, especially not a reservation and whistle at night. Don't ever do that. I'm not kidding. Don't do that. Um, because you're calling them to you. You're calling evil to you. Um, so it's kind of like a basic. I mean, there's more I can go into, but that's kind of like the basics of skinwalkers. That's awesome. Yeah. So from last time, like the stories that you have tonight, have any of them occurred like in between now and the last time we saw you? Um, these ones happened in the past. But there has been little things that have happened. So my parents live um, on the Navajo Reservation, and they live in the middle of nowhere. And so they they will call and say, oh, this happened, and this happened, and they're, like, nonchalant about it. But And what's your reaction? We're just like, we've kind of gotten to the, used to Same. it, too. We're just like, well, oh, okay, well, oh, dang, well. should have just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> like, why does it stop? Um, but, yeah, and then... Um, but it, it's not like this grand scale of these stories I'm going to tell, but they do happen. And um, yeah. And then we have a couple photos, if you want to show, of like where you grew up. Yes. Um, yeah. Some some of the pictures that we have today will show the area that's the, 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 the ep, my first episode. That's where a lot of the stuff happened. Um, yeah. Like after you left. Our research has continued, and we've looked looked in different sources. Like DJ found a huge book that was compiled about like skinwalkers in particular, and skinwalkers like in Utah. Do you remember that book? Stalking the tricksters. I don't. Oh yeah, stalking the tricksters. It was this uh, white dude? It was this white dude, but he like lived with a lot of different natives for years and years, um, and tried to learn everything about them, and just like wrote down all his studies and findings and talked about a lot of their uh uh lore surrounding uh these yannies uh and how different tribes like you said you're speaking to your own experience um how different tribes had like different versions of it or maybe even like these yannies or witches from other tribes had like other powers and like, they were like known for different powers uh, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they, they were like unique. They were like different characters almost. 
So it was pretty fascinating. He like went into the hierarchy as well and how they would meet at like the witching rocks. Is that what he called them? Yeah, in this one area he was in, in like New Mexico or something, there was like a famous landmark called the Witching Rocks. And a lot of the skinwalkers would meet there. Anyway, so we've like um, learned a little bit about Navajo culture like here and there. One thing I heard, uh, I covered the boarding school situation. And in fact, my so my mom, every summer there was a program in Utah where they would take kids from the reservation and they would live with a family up here and go to school up here. My mom's adopted. She's Japanese. So she was adopted by a white family. This white family would take in um, a couple Navajo boys every summer and they like lived with them every summer. And then my mom went and lived with them on the reservation in the, in the summers. Uh, but she, so she was telling me things, but I covered like the boarding school situation and I feel like it was kind of, like an unspoken thing people just like didn't talk about. Like they kind of knew the history with that. Um, but recently with what's happening in Canada where they're just like really exposing just like the depth of what happened. Um, it's like getting talked about more and more. Unfortunately, it will probably like the dialogue will stop at some point, which is really sad. But did you guys have any thoughts or like feelings on that? Or like, what was that like for you? Or was that talked about like in your communities and stuff? I don't know. Oh, of course. Um, we know that what it, that's like firsthand because my parents are boarding school survivors. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, that was in the 1800s and different things like that. And I know that was going on to like the 1960s and 70s here in the United States. Um, my dad, uh, my mom did that, that situation you were talking about where they went and lived with family. So my mom lived with her adoptive family in California um, but my, so she escaped boarding schools, but then my dad, um, grew up in a boarding school and he was just telling me how he was punished for speaking his native language. And he, and he was there since he was like five. And so he, in one story, it really like hit home to me, their experience. He was telling both he and my mom, they were at both two different boarding schools on the reservation, but when they bring the kids in, they would, the dormies who are white women would make them, you know, take showers and they would mark their elbows and places with Sharpie markers, permanent markers, and they were told to scrub until that Sharpie was gone. And that right there is like, basically like these kids are dirty. Mm -hmm. You know, these kids are coming from a different culture, from a different way of life and it's wrong and we're going to scrub it out of them. And so then that's how my dad perceived it. it was just like, like what's happening to me? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's five. These kids are young. They're, they're, they're still form, you know, formulating their, their perspective and their schemas about life. And so, um, my parents went through that and my grand and my, uh, my aunts and uncles and my great grandfather also attended a boarding school in the early 1900s. And so it's been, and I, you know, it stopped, but in high school, my sister and I, we both um, lived in a boarding, a dormitory type situation. We weren't forced, but um, we lived um, like a modern form of, of boarding school too. Mm -hmm. um, so, it, so in a way it's like still, there's like forms of it. Still? There's like forms of it, but it's not forced. It's mm. not like, hey, we're going to like make you assimilate, but it's, 
it's still under the Bureau of Indian Education and the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So it's it's something that the government still has their hands in. The, the Bureau of Indian Affairs? Yes, the BIA. Mm-hmm. Who runs that? Na- not natives? The government does. So it was created as, so as the U.S. government was being formed and all these different things, they have to, you know, deal with the native people that were here and their reservate, put them on reservations and do with their treaties. And that was through the Bureau of Indian Affairs. That's what was created for that purpose. Do you know how many officials in the BIA are Native American? I don't know. But I'm it's not, not, it doesn't sound like it's a, it's a substantial amount. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's probably not. Um, But I do know that there are a lot of, like, our, I think our secretary of, um under the Biden administration, our sec, what was it? The secretary, Deb, Deb. Deb Holland? Yes. I'm, she's, I, I'm. I'm so bad, Deb. I'm, I messed up your name and your title, but she, under the Biden administration, she is one of the first Native Americans who is like over the land and the resources. And she's trying to, now her mission right now is to get a lot of the um, like derogatory names for different national monuments, like Squaw Peak, for example, in Provo, Squaw is a derogatory word for a Native woman. Whoa, hmm. I had no idea. I had no idea either. Yeah, that's what they used to call them in the past. And so she, now it's her, she wants to have any national monuments or national parks who have squaw within their titles to be taken out. Wow. Hmm. Uh, when we ask you questions, obviously, like, you're one person with one experience. So we're kind of asking you to speak on behalf of, like, <laughs> the whole Navajo um, people. But, so sorry we're doing that, but um, do you feel in your family or in yourself that there is any like move in the right direction, like it's getting better or it's still just like not, not enough is happening. You know, I think I study psychology and I studied it for a reason because I grew up seeing alcoholism and, and drug use and um, just the breakdown of the family and the loss of culture. And these things are historical trauma Mm -hmm. and they are tied heavily to boarding schools because you take a whole group of people and you tell them that their way of life and their traditions and their culture and their language is basically wrong and not the normal, not the norm. You're not white basically is what they're saying. How can you not have, you know, these issues how can you yes Mm -hmm. how can you not have and not only that but it's been the saddest thing that is really hurtful is that especially revealed in these things that you're talking about in canada and the first nations up there it was a lot of these children were sexually abused a lot of them were raped a lot of them um were physically abused and verbally abused and so like that also takes a toll on a people where you can't even protect your own children from Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. And so I think um, there's just a lot to overcome with that. Um, And I think that could be something for all Native American tribes that we know that it's a problem. We know that these things happen, but it takes a lot to, I mean, if you think mental health for one person is hard to work through, like how about a whole group of people? Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's going to take some time, but I'm hopeful that my children and their, you know, the generations that come after me can, can try to see some hope and our people are resilient. Like we, I'm full-blooded Navajo and that's what the government 
didn't want. But guess what? We're here. I'm alive. I'm here. And Pull up. Come <laughs> <the> <laughs> exactly. You tried, but no, I'm, we're still here. That's beautiful. That really is beautiful. So with a lot of this, uh, I don't know what you call it, civil unrest, just atrocities that have happened historically and even today, a lot of people tend to shy away from looking in that direction like Charles was talking about. Like, media coverage will come, but the media only lasts as long as, you know, the next big headline and then people's attention shift to the next the next thing, you know? And whatever was being talked about six months ago is kind of in the past for the general public. But the people who are still affected by it are still dealing with it. Like, the problem doesn't disappear and the media doesn't talk about it. As... I guess like a, a native Hawaiian, I've been told a few times that Hawaiians are just angry all the time or always trying to find something to be upset about. Have you ever been told anything like that, similar to that oh, as yes. a Native American? Yes. What, what do you have to say to that? I mean, you're gonna start me on a rant. Like you, you guys Let's came here go. for like a scary story, but like <laughs> episode, episode three. Let's <laughs> like I think, yeah, it's almost like, um, yeah, like why, why are you guys? Everything's better. Why are you guys trying to stir the pot? Like, like why are you guys so mad? Like, get over it. It happened. That's the. I think that's the number one thing I hear is like that happened so long ago. Things are different now. Um, me and my sister joke because at the beginning of the pandemic, people were like, you know, up in arms about their rights and, and access to toilet paper and whatnot. And there was this meme that was going around in the native community on social media. First of all, memes are just beautiful. Yeah. Like spreading are. info and like yes. shared, shared experience. So I just love, like, we get to hear like a reservation meme now. It's so sick. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, yeah. So there's this meme going around where it's like, oh, like you white folks are crying. Welcome to being an Indian. You've been Indian for a month. Um, and that's basically saying like, you guys are complaining about these things and yet when it's happening to you, it's like, oh, let's drop everything and let's feel sad for you. Mm. But when it's coming to us and exactly what you're saying, DJ, like, oh, let's pay attention to these issues that really matter. It's like, get over it. Mm. You know, stop crying about it. And it's like, it didn't happen to you. And until it happens to you, then you're going to understand. Yeah, I I don't want to take your spotlight, but maybe you can relate to this sentiment. I I personally believe that I try to try to empathize as best as I can. Uh, and I try to look at what's at stake. when We look at Native Hawaiians. And I think the main thing we are concerned with is like our identity, like everything that comes along with it. And you were talking about like in history, when people were invading and encroaching, you were just trying to protect your people and everything that your people are language, art, dance, song, food, um, resources. And the U.S. is a new country, you know? It's just a couple hundred years old, whereas you've been here how long, you know? Yeah. Long. A millennium? Longer, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Same as Polynesians. So 
I think the time with that time, it's given our people to grow a little more in culture than the U.S. That's not to put down the U.S. because in time, they'll probably develop a culture and like like we already have sub languages in the U.S. regional. It's definitely on like a like a lower scale, but at one point, maybe they'll develop into something somewhat similar as us. But because of how much t- how long we've been here as a Hawaiian and as Navajo, like you've just had time to grow and you're just trying to protect that. So it's easy for people who don't have that stance to say, what are you complaining about? It's like the preservation and like perpetuation of my people. Whereas it's like, you're kind of still, I'm not trying to like stomp down on American culture. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, yeah. I think but, one of the biggest or like most prevalent fears in the world is fear of the unknown, right? So even by doing this, like personally, and I can I can imagine a ton of our listeners have never had a chance to like have an open, honest, and vulnerable dialogue with a Navajo person, right? So even just like sharing this beats down that like ignorance or like not knowing, not truly knowing. So we could have so many listeners listening, listening to you and then like being able to empathize and understand, you know, what was lost. Right. So I don't know. I, uh, I think a lot of that is like what happened. Like Europe came over, no understanding of what was set up here. And to them, it was like the natural reaction is fear. Like must change that. Right. And like you shared a meme with me the other day, like when Puritan missionaries went to Hawaii, they thought Hawaiians were lazy. They thought they were so stupid because Hawaiians were surfing or not surfing. They were like chilling in the beach by like 12 in the middle of the day. And they were like, you guys are so lazy. Like you don't work. What they didn't know is that Hawaiians had like gotten to the point where they were so efficient with their farming and everything that like they could do that. And like, that's what they valued was like time with their family, like in the beautiful, you know, and it's like, it's, you hear that and you're like, those idiots, like they didn't understand that was the higher way of living. And they came and just like set everyone back. I don't know. But like, to your point, I'm just trying to. Yeah. That, w- that was just like kind of my response uh, to people who were like, why are you always mad? It's like, what's at stake here? Hmm. Like there was a generation where Hawaiian language was outlawed. Any Hawaiian practice, dance, all of it. You, you lived in Hawaii for four years. And you learned about that a ton. So one generation and we lost a ton. I don't, I'm not fluent in Hawaiian. Is that where maybe like the feelings come from and why like you're annoyed when people are like, well, why are you still mad? It's like, cause there's still loss. Like no matter how long the stem is, it's still coming from a, a specific point in time. You know, the butterfly effect, one drop in the pond will cause a ripple on the other side. You know, so yes, we live here and now, but I'm still a product of my past to a pretty good extent. And you're witnessing the effects like still. Yeah. Hmm. So I think it's important to consider both. Like we definitely have, I, I think we have more resources now. There is a lot of good, but uh, it's not without its flaws. There's still pain. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I, I do love the United States. Like I, People are always like, well, you probably hate the U.S. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, this is my home. Um, before it was the U.S., it was our, my family's home. 
Um, but I think just like simply acknowledging how this country came to be is important. Um, just simply acknowledging like, yeah, yeah, we have the constitution. Yeah, we have all these different things that were great, but at what cost and to whom? Mm-hmm. Um, if you can just simply acknowledge that, if you listeners listening to this can really think about that and acknowledge it and acknowledge that some a group of people, not only Native Americans, lost out and we're still hurting today. If you can just be open-minded to that and think about that and really process that, I think that's where we get to the places where we can you know, improve mm-hmm. and be better. So hopefully that happens. Kind of going along with that. In my research, I really looked into like the boarding school history and I like looked where it started with, I can't remember his name, but it's like his last name was Pratt, just like all this stuff. And then I watched interviews of people who grew up on the res. They would talk like they were taught by their parents that they saw a van to run and hide because it meant like they potentially could be taken away. And they spoke to the Navajo's connection to like their home and the actual land being really, really strong. Um, Is that like true for you guys and your experience? Yes. Uh, One of the traditions in my family, and I learned again, I don't know if this is for everybody, but for my family specifically, we were taught to, you know, your identity is part of where you come from in your land. Like, for example, my grandmother attended all the births of her grandchildren. And she has like 40 grandchildren. Um, she has 12 kids and my mom's number eight. But so she has a lot of grandchildren. And so at the end, she attended each birth and then would take the placenta. And then she buried it at the foot of the mountain where we were from. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. And so she was always and she told us this. This is always so that you remember where you come from and that you will always have a desire mm-hmm. to come home. And that connection, just like you are literally like one with your land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I had heard. And I just wasn't sure if that was like prevalent in the like all of Navajo culture but interesting yep anything else any other thoughts when it comes to preservation and just uh, reverence for what's happened um, I think just also um supporting in any way that you can whether that be you read something about Native American culture or you um I just think it's so important to hear from authentic sources of information um, because and and also knowing that, you know, my experience is different from another Native American's experience and all tribes are not the same. They're different. Um, so if you can just find those authentic sources and, and listen and tap in and learn from them, I think that will help you to anybody and that's something I do even though I'm Native American I I I love to learn about the First Nations in Canada and all these like different tribes in the East Coast and the West Coast because I don't know so even I'm Native American and I need to know about other people uh no one may know this but is there any Native American podcast does anyone know I know we follow some on our Instagram page um and there's a YouTuber. There, I think there are more YouTubers than there are podcasters. <laughs> but we can give you a list of people. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like saving my mind. It's you. You're the podcaster. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to start doing it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like hearing myself. Come in the day, dude. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is that how you say it? Come in the daytime or come at it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Try me at daytime. Yeah. Whatever you oh, come, come at me. <laughs> I was like, wait, what did he say? <laughs> come at me during the day. There you go. <laughs> Dope. Dope. Yeah. Well, uh, we'd love to hear your stories. Because they continue, like, as fun as they are, and uh, because of, like, the spookiness factor, like, they're equally just as educational as, like, what we've been talking about so far. <laughs> and you've done a really good job at that. Okay. Yes. So you want me to, you want me to get started? It's it's all you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m., And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Amy. And hi, Hi, True True Crime Crime fans. fans. We're the co-hosts of She Goes by Jane. Every week, we'll be covering the story of a missing or unidentified woman in the United States. Stories you may have heard before. And ones whose stories didn't make it into the news. We've been covering these stories for a while. First in Amy's book of poetry, Doe. And then in Vanessa's documentary, She. But now we want to share them with you here on She Goes by Jane. And each week we'll be joined by a special guest who will read a poem in honor of the women we talk about. Can we say who? We can say who. We'll be joined by actresses like Coco Jones and Gabrielle Ruiz. And musicians like Stephanie Quayle and Kelly Moneymaker. Along with authors like Louise Penny. And Catherine McKenzie. So check out She Goes by Jane wherever you get your podcasts. Or check out Evergreen Podcasts and their true crime channel, Killer Podcasts. We can't wait to bring you these stories. Okay, so I did, I when I got here, I didn't know that we were going to be recording on the video. <laughs> um, so just as guys that I talk a lot with my hands. Um, so this first story is an experience that I had well, my, it's my mom's experience, but me and my siblings were there. Um, but I was, a, I was a kid and I was too young to understand. I don't remember exactly what happened. But so this story begins in a s- summer night. So one of the things on the reservation is, is that a lot of houses don't have air conditioning. And, and so what you do to cool off at night is either you open all the doors and windows in your house. Or you pull out a mattress and you put it in the back of a truck because everybody has a truck and you sleep in the mattress in the back of your truck. And, and for me growing up, it was really fun because you had your cousins come over and you would crack open a watermelon on the tailgate and it's a nice breeze and finally the sun going down and you're just enjoying life. You're laughing and you're eating your goodies and hot Cheetos is a staple too. (laughs) Um, And then, um, so this particular day, it was my mom was the only adult that was there, but she had me and my three siblings. And then um, 
about four of my other cousins. And she said, okay, guys, get ready. We're getting ready for bed. Pull out the mattresses. And there's two trucks there. So we put a mattress in each bed of the truck. And um, my and we my mom backed up the trucks up, and there's a porch. And so she went to go sit on the porch, um, just enjoying the breeze. And then we were laying down, getting ready for the night. And the thing about Arizona is that I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but the skies are big um the sunsets are gorgeous and so at night though in this particular night it was a full moon and you can see it's almost like you you don't need a flashlight because you can you know where you're walking you know you know where you're headed and that was the kind of night it was it was a beautiful big full moon there was there was light you can see um there was no breeze and and so it was just a nice night. And so my mom gets us all settled in and we're all kind of drifting, drifting off to sleep. And there's a dirt road that goes in front of the house and it forks. And so she she was she said that she looked around and she noticed that the dogs that we had, they were scared. And they started kind of backing off and were hiding underneath the porch and she said that's weird because usually animals when they're scared you know they don't they act a certain way and so my mom was like kind of okay I need to be on alert and so she said she was sitting there kind of just looking around and then straight ahead in her right straight ahead in her view she said she saw a dog it looked like to her it was a dog and it was sitting there just like politely just sitting there. And she said it creeped her out because that dog looked like it was staring at, like just sitting, just sitting and staring at us and the house. And she said, okay, that's not normal. Dogs don't sit quietly and still like that. Uh, so she said she just continued to watch it and it watched her. Um, she was just like, you know what, it's going to move. It'll be fine. And then time passed on and she said it didn't move. And the dogs became, became, the dogs then were more tense and they just wouldn't come out. And so she said, okay, this is not normal. <laughs> and so, um, she said that she was getting ready to, she says, oh, Gonna, well, she wanted to get the truck and turn it on and go shine her light at it. But she said, but my kids are in the car. Like, the kids are in the truck. Um, so she gets up, and she's starting to, you know, move things around and and trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? And so she's like, she at that point, she said, I just got overwhelmed, so I sat back down because I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. And it's And she looks up again, and that dog was a little closer. Mm -hmm. Like, it had moved from one side of the road to the next. And it was still sitting very, very still, looking straight at, like straight ahead, but you can't see the features of it. And so she's like, oh my goodness, like this thing's getting closer. And then eventually the two, two of the dogs got brave and they started barking at it. But it wasn't like a, it was like an aggressive bark because they, I think they could sense that my mom was scared at this point. And so my mom 
was kind of like, okay, it's now or never. I gotta, I gotta figure out what this thing is. And so she says that she was walking up to the truck, was going to open the door handle to jump in. So she gets in and then she looks up and she's that dog was a little bit closer and she, and she's like so she goes to turn on the light because she's like this thing's getting closer goes to turn on the truck to shine the light but right as she's you can you and if you ever driven a truck you can kind of hear it start to turn before the lights come on and so that thing whatever it was well we know what it was it she turned started to turn on the truck and then it stood up On two legs? On two legs. It stood up and she said she got so just like, oh my gosh. And so she um, she got out. She immediately jumped out. She turned on the vehicle like, oh my goodness, turned it on, shined the light. And then she told us to get up in this part. I do remember she woke us up and she said, get in the house. And then we all ran in. Um, she turned off the truck and followed us in and then she, we she was waiting and we were still sleepy so we just went in and laid down um and then she was just waiting for it to, you know to walk up the porch and she was waiting for it to tap on the windows she was waiting for it to call out and she said she stayed up till about like three hours later and nothing happened and then she the dogs were normal they were out lounging around and were not tense and we're not barking anymore and that's when she knew that the coast was clear <laughs> legit got goosebumps <laughs> that's terrifying <laughs> definitely don't like how it got closer every time she like oh. looked away or was like doing something and then would look back and it was closer i don't like that and to have to go through that alone yes. like everyone's asleep no one's home it's like oh crap like this is on me and even the dogs are kind of like like, take care of this. You know? <laughs> They're like, back Do under the door. <laughs> 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 it's getting closer. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And wait, you were sleeping in the truck? Yeah, at this point, we were all like just laying out sleeping. How old were you? Uh, I think I was like Young. seven, okay. six. Mm. My sister here was like four. <laughs> so when, when did you find out about this story? She didn't, she didn't tell us till about, well, she told us the next day. She was oh. like, why? Cause we were thinking, why'd you take us inside? Like it was hot. Like we want to sleep outside. And she's like, well, this thing happened. And, um, yeah. And then my grandma who she was alive at the point, she's just like, well, you should have told her to go home. Like she's just like, you should have told her to get out of here. Um, but yeah, but that's my mom. And she, she said, it, that was one point in her life where she kind of just felt like, like, just like, oh, my goodness. So what am I going to do? Because it's not just like my safety. It's my kid's safety. Uh, yeah. Like, I have all these kids. And but the funny thing is, we still slept out at night. Like, like, that didn't like, the like, the, yeah, like <laughs> the next night, we were like, pull the mattress out. Let's do it. Um, so the sense of like fearlessness was instilled when you were young. Yes. Yes. So you didn't ever have like a huge problem, it sounds like. Well, I mean, we were told that, but the, like there are scary stories that are like more detailed than the ones I'm sharing. I'm not sharing them because other people told me them and I don't want to share other people's stories if I don't have their permission. 
Um, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could like go into detail, like we'll really turn good the mics detail. off and then you can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, and those are the stories that we were told. It's like these stories that are like in detail specifically of what skinwalkers do. And that mm. used to scare the crap out of me. Um, like growing up, we would have a lot of houses in the reservation don't have running water. So we would have to go to the outhouse and my cousins, my older cousins, they would whistle like we would go to the bathroom and they whistle and we'd be like we would we would cry and we would be so scared like at night at night that's messed up yeah Leah told me not to do that so. we, exactly but they did it to like scare us but and it worked because we would like pee oh, our pants right gosh. before we got to the outhouse because we were so scared <laughs> um yeah they're like ready to like fight and like go at it yeah um, told me a, a story once he had me listen to this story when we first started hanging out or I started hanging out with these guys and they're like, bro, listen to this story. Oh, and it's yeah. this dude talking about his, uh, uh, when he was, he was like an ex-policeman and he like visited this house uh, that was supposedly haunted. And in this story, he encounters like the girl who lives in this house and she, it was, he's, he's crawling in like the air vents in the house and he sees the girl in the air vent. Mm. Terrifying. So, like, later that night. Uh, well, and one part of the story is, like, she whispers, like, they're in the vents. And so, like, that's a part of the story. I'm watching you. Yeah, I'm watching you. You can hear it from the vents. Yeah. yeah. Oh like, the, the whispers, I'm watching you. So, <laughs> that night, I, I, like, crash at their house because I'm like, I don't want to go home by myself. <laughs> and uh, I'm using the bathroom. And there's a vent right above me. So the, for like the next week, I would uh, have my, my phone on selfie mode so I could watch the vent. And I had like my fist in case something was coming from the vent just like above my head so I could punch whatever was coming out. But, so I get it, you know. Yeah. So I relate. Yeah. Yeah. I fully thought you were about to say like the key turn, the car turned on. And the skinwalker was gone. That's, That's what, what I thought, I thought that was going to happen too. Because we have heard other stories where like they're, they have an aversion to light because they want to protect their identity, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I thought you were going to say. So you said, oh, it's still up. And like, <laughs> I was not ready. So it's still like retained like the, the form of a dog? Yeah. Well, well, one of the things is that they were skins, like animal skins. Mm. Um, and... Like they Almost wear, like a costume. Yeah, like they wear the headdress and the animal skins and the loincloths, oh. and they put powder over themselves, ashes and whatnot. So would that be called? Is it regalia? No, no, regalia is like a. That's more ceremonial. That's more ceremonial okay. things. This is just like their skins. Like okay. there's no okay. respect given to their titles no. and what they wear. Ah, but uh, can you explain maybe to our listeners why they want to protect their identity? Yes. So one of the things that happens if a skinwalker's identity is revealed, and my next story is a story about that, um, oh. but they protect their identities because, you know, like I said, they go around at night, they want to curse you and their gain is for power and money and, and wealth. And so you want to make sure that you keep that, right? You want a place in the community. You want to have people be jealous of what you have but you don't want people to know how you got it um so if a skinwalker's identity is revealed then they have to kill themselves so 
they put in it and it's it's like their law they have to like they're bound by that yeah mm-hmm. um so um my grandma like used to always joke like find out their identity like look that's why it's like come to my house in the day because <laughs> we'll find out who you are because um, start shouting out names yeah joe i know that's you just in case like. <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically so it's yeah so they have to they have to kill themselves or whatever and then and so but the vehicle like the vehicle thing because there's a lot of people who have come forth in in stories that they're driving along dirt roads or along the highways on the reservation and then you know they'll something's run, running alongside the mm-hmm. vehicle and like it's tapping the windows or it's running its hands across the sides of the doors or even some cases it's jumping in the back if you have a truck it's jumping on the bed that's a new one for me or like you you look in the rear view and you see these red eyes looking at you and they stink so you can smell like this ugly smell and they're tapping on windows and they're there's trying to basically like scare you. So the vehicle thing is something that happens, I think, to a lot of people. Hmm. So don't drive at night on the reservation because you never know if it's gonna happen to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or at least go with people, then you can be scared together. I was with a, go ahead. I was just gonna say I've definitely made the drive down to like Phoenix, like going through like that area from like Page to Flagstaff at night before. And it's been so dark, like couldn't see anything. And I've always been a little sketched out because I've done that drive by myself. And like and knowing you listening to music and whistling. Okay. So, but like the whistling thing, I, it comes up in a lot of different cultures too, mm-hmm. where you're not supposed to whistle at night, which I think is interesting. But also like my grandma would always say, you can always tell like a happy person because they're whistling. <laughs> and I'm like, now I don't know. Yeah. Your grandma was a skinwalker dog. <laughs> we got kidding. those in Kentucky too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I've always made that drive, or I have a couple times at night. It's always been a little just disorienting, like a little creepy mm-hmm. when it's super dark and I'm by myself driving along those roads. So, yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. I, I was, uh, it was. It was my girlfriend's brother's birthday last week, and we got together. He had a bunch of his friends over, one of them who I know decently well, good guy, and he uh, served his Mormon mission in Arizona. And I don't know how the subject came up. Somebody started talking about skinwalkers, and, dude, this, this, this kid is always happy, always smiling. And the second some, he heard the word skinwalkers, shift in his face you just see like the happiness being sucked out of his life it was crazy he said i have a story about skinwalkers and it's pretty similar to what you've heard about them running alongside the car but there was one on the other side of my car window and i was looking at it in the face while we were driving like 60 or 70 miles an hour down the hall down the highway and uh the room just got silent. <laughs> anyway, happy <laughs> birthday. Yeah. yeah. And then he said, I also have a story about a possession and a vampire, but I don't think I can talk about it right now. So that's, that's where he dirty. left us. <laughs> yeah. That's dirty. Yeah. And, oh my goodness. Uh, I think he went home. <laughs> 
He's like, anyway, I'm out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You ruined my night. the vibe and leaves. <laughs> Holy. Holy cow. That's crazy. Okay, are we ready for story number two? I guess. Okay. Um, so this one is one that my dad told us. And so he's from a different part of the reservation. And in this area, um, people really live a little bit farther. So um, they're neighbors and they know each other because they know, you know, the families and there's, you know, connections that way. Um, so, and this is a story that he heard from a neighbor. So he's relaying to us things that were happening in the community, community. So there was this guy and he's like a, a army veteran. Like he just wants to live a quiet life, did his service. And, and he started noticing that things were happening at his house. So, you know, like things would be missing or. Um, started off small that way uh, and then things started progressing um, and then he would know you know he would get the taps on his window at night and and you know the the same kind of like the similar common stories where you know you see somebody standing outside your house and that kind of thing and so instead of kind of just letting he let things happen for a while um and then he decided to take matters into his own hands. So he started putting up cameras outside his house and trying to see if he could catch anything until eventually he set up a trap outside his house to catch this skinwalker that was around his house. Um, so my dad said one night he was, as he tells it, he um, caught something on the cameras and the trap went. And so he went out and of course the main goal is that you want to figure out what their identity, who who is it. And so he was trying to get the trap in but wasn't able to see the person's face. Um, so he took a shot at him and he wounded the skinwalker that was in the trap. And so he was like, oh, I, I wounded it. So he's trying to, you know, pull the, the trap apart. And, and so that skinwalker is able to run away. And so he's like, oh, dang it. Like I lost, I lost the, you know, I lost it. I had him, but I shot him. So I, there should be blood or there should be something, you know, to, to lead to where this thing went. Um, so he, decides to call the police and the Navajo reservation is interesting because it has um, its own police force and um, there are laws that that which that witchcraft is like a crime and so like it's it's a real thing that happens um, so they calls the Navajo police and they come over and he tells them hey this is what's happening and so they're like okay we'll help you track it and so they go and they start following, you know, the tracks and the blood and whatnot. And eventually they take it to this house and it's way out in the distance. It's like this isolated little house in the middle of nowhere. And they track it to this house. And um, once they get there, you know, the sun's starting to come up and the morning starts to come through. And they notice that there was a group of women who lived there. And they're, they're doing something 
they're like, there's commotion going on. So the police officer and this man, they pull up and they get closer to the house. And they're, they're noticing that there's a person laying on the ground and the women are trying to, like, trying to hide him and, and do all this stuff. And, and then the police officers and the guy, like, really run because they're, like, they're hiding something and they run up. And it was, they saw the man on the ground and he was shot. He had, he had blood coming out of him. And they pulled back and he was wearing animal skins and he had, on his body, he had these, like, ancient special marks and they were in ash all over his body and they found him and he died because they revealed his identity and his family were they were trying to hide him but they were able to find him and I guess it was like a friend it was somebody that they knew well in their community oh, wow. and he died yeah so do we know anything about his family? Like, they obviously knew he was a skinwalker. Like, were they skinwalkers too, or some of them, or? You know, I don't know. Um, my dad, my, I, I know that there's more to that story, but from what I understand, he was the only one that died. I'd assume the family would be, like, ostracized after that. Well, they, they were already living, like, isolated. Like, they were already mm. outcasts. So I think that they were already, you know, living, that life. living under the yeah, radar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, remind me, are you supposed to like put a bullet in black ash, or, or was there something with ash you told us in the first episode? I don't remember. You gotta go listen to the first. Yeah, episode. I gotta... <laughs> guys, give me a minute. I'll be right back. I, gotta... <laughs> I feel like that's a thing, but anyway. Yeah, I th I just think it's. I mean, they're human. Ultimately, so if you can do anything to injure a human, then you would injure them. Yeah. When he was caught in the trap, was he in the form of a human or? I think he was in his animal form. Mm. Um, and then he I must have just shaped out of it. Because in the first episode, my grandmother came up against the skinwalker right. too and she shot it. And she was able to get its hoof and then the next morning she found it. It was human, parts of a human foot. Yo, are there women skinwalkers? Yes, we were talking about this with my brother earlier today, and he thinks they're, they're like more scarier than men because <laughs> the women are vicious. Like, I think women are a whole nother level of creatures. So I think they're, yeah, there are women. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, you never hear about them. You don't. They're just better than the men. Yeah, because the men are better at it. They, they don't, don't get caught in traps. The, only the men ones are dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a whole new level of fear that like we have not considered. No, uh, well, perfect. I've heard stories before, like um, like their skinwalker women who eat babies. Oh shit! <gasps> who like desecrate graves and eat the they eat the bodies and things like that. This is kind of crazy, but that's uh. Oh, and they have, and they're scarier because they have longer hair. So they'll put the, like the hair in like front of their face. And, oh my goodness. Oh. That oh. theme though is like throughout civilizations all over, like specifically eating babies. Like there's gods in Japan. There's gods in like Middle Eastern cultures that like, it's like a woman eating a baby, like a Mesopotamian demon. I can't remember which one, but its role, it's a woman, is to feast upon children. And so, like, you talk about 
becoming a skinwalker you like start a relationship with an with an evil entity or whatever but it might very well be like that one like mesopotamian culture and demons are like so old they're like the very first things and people say they are like kind of at the root of like still everything i don't know it's just like i don't know i'm drawing parallels that might not be there but it's just crazy hearing similar similar themes throughout so many cultures that story is like the first one i've heard of like someone trying to like home alone a skinwalker like you know what i mean like actively yeah like okay we got cameras up yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's it because it's i don't know maybe it's to some people might sound funny or like you know like it, but it's like these things happen like that yeah. that, that should be like a, a like a tip off to people like if people are setting out cameras and are like traps and things and these are like grown people who are sane mm-hmm. like this is a real thing like mm-hmm. it happens and it happens across the board hmm. and even if like we want to play I don't, I don't know the right term but like let's say nothing paranormal nothing supernatural is happening at the very least it's still like this person believes it, that person believes it, and they're still, like, acting as if it's real. You know what I mean? So, like, regardless if, like, there isn't, it's, like, it's still scary. It's still way scary to have someone, like, come into your home and mess with you. I don't know. No, for sure. Uh, it does. Going a little further with my fantastic questions with, like, types of skinwalkers, is it possible f- f- to be, I guess, kind of, like, born a skinwalker like if you had a male and a female skinwalker oh my gosh have a child and they raise them as like a skinwalker does that make sense you know i don't know their full society (laughs) (laughs) i'm not one (laughs) i wonder if there was any stories like i i think um i i think honestly they probably would eat the baby because it's a responsibility like, why would you want a responsibility? Why would you want something to tie you down? Yeah, They're selfish. So it's like, you probably would sacrifice the baby because it's the thing you love. More bones. Oh my gosh. To carry your power. Skinwalkers aren't like falling in love with each other. Yeah, or this, I mean, the, or, or like you turn us, yeah, I don't think that they are at that level. And I like swiping on a skinwalker yeah. app or something. <laughs> I'm not trying to find each other. Skinwalkers only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's the <amazing>. <laughs> I like to go on long walks. Well, there's a documentary. I, um, I remember my friends used to, my um, they sell at some trading posts in Flagstaff and areas where this person actually tried to make a doc- documentary about skinwalkers. And I heard it was okay. Navajo person or yeah it was like a like it's it's one of those things where it's like it looks corny but I guess a couple of my friends I remember in high school watched it and they're like yeah it's kind of legit like it's what? like they crawl into like these caves and they try to find where they Bro, live we need to and, watch this do you know what it's called I don't remember but I remember it was sold on DVD for a while so it might not even be in circulation anymore oh my goodness if you're listening and you know what it's called you know where to get a copy hit us up <laughs> Yeah, we need to see it. Yeah, Ooh. keep them coming. Um, Lynn, I just asked my sister, did you want to tell some, or are you good? <gasps> oh, you what, dude? Some? Take my spot. No, actually, my chair is really uncomfortable. Here. You can come. No, no, no. Are you sure? I want, I want both the sisters sure? on. Both sisters? Yeah. Okay, let's figure this out. Are you sure? 
I can, I can yeah. move. Right, I can give us me coming in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of really quick, really quick. One second, listeners, give us uh, one second. We're going to reset up so we can get one more person in here. So it's Lynn, right? Yeah. It's All Lynn. right, guys. <laughs> we are uh, blessed with Sister Lynn. She's going to come on and share a couple stories, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited. Should I just start then? Sure, unless you want to like introduce yourself or anything you want. Like, oh, okay. Well, I'm Lynn, Leah's sister. Um, we are very close and we look very much alike, <laughs> almost yeah. like twins. But um, growing up, Leah was like my protector. Actually, all my siblings were. So a lot of the horrific, scary stuff that we went through, I was asleep. The majority <laughs> of them. Yep. <laughs> On the first episode, there's a story, and you're like, my little sister literally slept, so you're the sleeping sister. <laughs> I'm the sleeping sister. Heck yeah. Every time, the, <laughs> yeah, every time the chaos came down, like, let her sleep. Don't wake her up. <laughs> She's going to get hysterical. <laughs> She's going to cry. Yeah, that was me. I was the weenie of the family. <laughs> but um, a story I have is, like, I, I didn't really go through a lot of the things that my siblings, or saw the things that my siblings been through, but I heard them. And my brother, we were at dinner today, and he was talking about where we grew up. He's like, yeah, I, when we would come home from college, me and Leah would hear knocking on the windows. I'd see something, like, run outside, or, like, there were snakes in our house, and they would, we would kill them. We're like, how would these get in our house? And we just, like, eh, just normal things on the res. But growing up, and then we were talking about it, we're like, yeah, this is not normal. <laughs> I think this is witchcraft stuff, but we're like, we're always with that intent of like, we're not afraid and we're not going to give in to their little tactics. And I think as kids, we're like, eh, like it's not something we're scared of. Leah had, oh, I got all my courage. I think throughout the years was because I was always with my siblings. Every scary story, I was able to sleep among with my siblings <laughs> or I was with my parents. So when my oldest sister, Jenna, went and she got married and she started her own family. Leah went to college and my brother went on his mission. I was truly alone with my parents. And my dad um, would work different jobs around um, the country. So he would be gone most of the time too. So it was just me and my mom. And my mom worked as a doormaid in Holbrook, Arizona. at a um, For Leah's a little bit clear of what a dorm is. Or oh, yeah. So I never, they call them in the these border towns um, along the reservation. So Holbrook is a border town and a lot of the native kids want to go to school at these public schools off the reservation because they tend to be better. Um, so they build these dormitories that they can live and then go to school. So my mom was a dorm aide, so she helped take care of those, uh, the native kids when, when they were there. And she would work long shifts, so she would start at like in the evening and do night duty. So that's the setting is my mom was working night duty as a dormaid. Yeah. So I believe she worked till like 3 a.m. that morning. And for some weird reason, um, she caught a ride to Holbrook somehow. I don't remember the reason. But she said, um, I need you to come pick me up in Holbrook. And um, I was a little nervous because I was new to driving. And also the road there during the road, we're deep in the reservation. So there's no street lights. There's going to be no one else on the road. I was so nervous. And how long of a drive? It's about 80 miles to Holbrook. Oh. Um, it's a good, it's a good drive. Just down the road. <laughs> yeah, no, the road. I wish, but um, I, I remember I was like, I'll leave at midnight. And 
oh, that night was a full moon. <laughs> so, and it, it wasn't windy. It was just still, I remember it. And um, I had made myself dinner and there's, it's just silent. I remember it was just so silent. And every time something moved outside, I like tensed up <laughs> or like I got ready to like fight. <laughs> or every time the dog barked, I'm like, it's barking at like a lizard. It's barking at another dog. Like, calm down. Just be, you're going to be okay. And so <laughs> I remember 12, 12 o'clock came and I grabbed the keys and I said, I'm just going to run to the, the vehicle and then I'm just going to take off. And are, so are you normally this tense or was this like special? Like something was different. I, it, I, it, I think it was normal, but I also just, just tense. Cause this is the first time I ever spent alone at this oh. house by myself in the middle of the night with none of my family nearby. So you're psyched out. So I'm psyched out, but I'm like, I have a duty. I have to get my mom. Like, we got to do it. There's no one else could, could do it. So I run out to the vehicle and I forgot to turn off the lights. And I was like, forget it. So I just like <laughs> drive off. And so I'm playing George Street and I'm just trying to calm down. And there's this part to the turn off to Holbrook. And my siblings are getting mad at me. They're like, why'd you take that turn off? Why didn't you just go through Winslow through the nice freeway? It's faster. It's safer. But I went through like the back back roads because <laughs> I was new to driving and I didn't want to get on the freeway. Horrible decisions were made that night, but I remember I was going like 55 <laughs> on a like 60 mile road and um, the sides of the roads, you had to be careful because they were so skinny. And if you didn't concentrate, then you could swerve off because mm -hmm. the sand was so fine on the side of the road. And so I'm shaking and thinking of this. And um, I was driving, I was concentrating and I saw someone, a thing up ahead. And I was like, I think that's a coyote or, or something, but I was getting scared. Lo and behold, it's a person walking on the side of the road. And um, <laughs> my mom's voice, I'm a new driver. So she's like, if you see someone on the road, slow down and go to the side slowly. So I, I my brother's like, you're supposed to speed up. I'm like, no, <laughs> I slow down and I go to the side slowly. And I'm like looking at them and they have long black hair. And they're just walking. And I was like, should I look? I was like, I don't. Oh. I, I was like, don't look at them. Don't look at them. Just go. So I sped up to like 60, 65. And I just took off. And I remember I was like, I'm so glad I didn't look back. Because I just know that that person had an evil face. They're just, why are they out walking like that? I don't understand. So got my mom told her about it. She's like, well, I'll drive back. And we didn't see anything. So that was the only like scary moment I've ever had in my life. Yeah. But that was that, that was the end of that. And not until I came back to Utah. Um, I, I think I told Leah, but I could, I could look right in my second story. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the second time it was like, I, I've never had, that was the scariest paranormal act or skinwalker experience I ever had I don't even think it was a skinwalker I think it was just probably a weird guy but after hearing all the stories my sisters and brothers went through I was like man I've never really I'm so glad I've never experienced it but there was one night I think something was going on with mom and dad at home right with scary stuff skinwalker stuff and I went to sleep and I had a dream and this dream uh Leah and I were home and my parents were asleep and I remember it was so real I remember waking up 
and the lights are still on. I think me and Leah are watching a movie. And Leah says, we have to go turn off the lights in the living room and lock the doors. And I remember feeling this sense of dread. I was like, I don't, I don't want to. Because the houses and uh, the windows in our houses were didn't have shutters. It had um, little sheets that closed it to give privacy. But those sheets were see-through. So even if you did close it, it was still creepy. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to go out there. She goes, well come out into our little tiny hall and just wait. And then I'm going to run and I'm going to turn off the TV, but just stay there. And so I was like, okay, because on the way to the living room, you pass the kitchen and this kitchen has a huge window and that window wasn't covered. And so Leah, I saw Leah run and I was like waiting and she was standing there and she's like, I'm scared. There's something in that window. And I said, no, 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 Leah, there's nothing in that window. She's like, I'm not running back. Like, Lynn, look. I was like, no, I don't want to look. Just look. And so I peek out and sure, like my, I felt like I was going to throw up in the dream. There's something at the window going like this. And it had the nastiest yellow teeth and red eyes and claws and the nastiest hair and it growled and it broke the window and I I woke up screaming I was like oh my gosh and I was just trying to calm down and I, I didn't want to wake up Leah because she had work the next day but I remember just sitting there like what did I what did I just see and I don't know I just had this deep sense of like I feel like I was meant to see that back on the res as a younger child, but some greater force was like, no, you're not going to see it. But it was just a tinge of like, that's what's out there. That's mm. what's real. But I couldn't go back to sleep because every time I closed my eyes, I saw its face and its growl. And it wasn't even like an, it was an animal growl, but it had a man. It wasn't like an ugly man's voice. And so to go back to the fear, I was like, I've never been scared, but I think that was, that my turn that dream was to tell me are you going to be afraid or what are you going to do so i visual visualized every time i closed my eyes i saw the face so to combat it i was like okay you're going to go out there and tell that thing to go away this is your chance <laughs> so in my dream i went out there and i snatched its ugly fur off and i told it to go away and from then on, I think the fear has been relieved. So every time I go home now, you know, I'm like 25 and I'm still afraid to go to that house by myself. <laughs> but now I have like a new found strength to go back and be like, I'm not afraid. Ooh, that's really cool. You've never had that dream since. No, never. Have they been known to ever like manipulate dreams or like, do you think that was from the skinwalker or from like something else that's like giving you an experience so that you knew you had that knowledge? I think it was more of my fear. Mm. I think it was more of like, my sisters are very courageous. <laughs> and they've always, I feel like they always fought my battles of like, we're not going to let Lynn see this. We're going to let her sleep through it. <laughs> so, so that was your battle. I think that was my battle of like. You always, always sleeping, so it yeah. had to be a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I never faced it. So That's I think it was so like. funny. You got to face it some way or another because <laughs> you can't keep doing this. <laughs> That's funny. We believe, you know, God will speak to us and how we'll understand. And that's unique for everyone. So you always sleep. And he was like, all right, I got to give you a dream. Yeah. 
Yo, wake I, you up. <clears throat> this sparked a, uh, a question that I have that's uh, pure ignorance. <laughs> so forgive me. But uh, are dream catchers authentic? No. <laughs> no. They're not where they come. Where does that where come from? Yeah. Um, it's a white. Well, I mean, I think some tribes believed in it, but it, it's become so commercialized that it's like it's it's no, like it's so, it's it's like lost its meaning. Like I'm pretty sure that it had like a really significant sacred meaning than what it is now. Mm. So um, at one point, dream catchers were used by some tribes. It, yeah, but as the dream catcher today, like that, it's just like a it's a thing you sell in a like gas station. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's lost its significance. People, we you know, people, girls get tattoos of it, and yeah. not knowing the sacredness of it. But do so natives don't use it today. Well, I guess should I rephrase my no. <laughs> um, I no, I I don't know natives that use them. Is there any other myths like that that like people are like, oh, this is that you native want to American? Dispel? Yeah, I think um, I think that dreams um, is something that a lot of people hold as sacred, um, and it's I don't know how to explain it. Like if we're talking about that land. Um, that connection to the land and it's also not just the land it's connection to animals it's connection to the water and in the earth it's 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 like the whole life it's it's a concept in navajo that's called hojon which is you're in harmony with everything and so and so i feel like yeah there's like this whole another level of like subconsciousness and and things in consciousness and things like that um and then dreams go along with that because I, I think that if you don't mind me telling another story, Go this ahead. is mine <laughs> specifically because it kind of taps into that. It's not skinwalker related, but it is tapping into that like dream, you know, there's another level of supernatural going on. So I remember when I was 16, there's a there's a grocery store about like 30, 20, 30 minutes away from our house. And it's the one grocery store for like the next 40 50 miles like it's if you really need to go get groceries you go get it at this store and um, we went out like um me and my brother i was 16 i think he was 18 and we both went at like eight at eight at night and we were driving i was driving and there's a there's a random stop sign and i stopped and then i started accelerating and i remember it very clearly I would hit 50 because I was watching the car accelerate the odometer and it hit 50. And then we hear this loud, loud bang on the windshield. And I was, and me and my brother freaked out. I'm like, what was that? Because there's no houses around. There's nobody on the road. And I thought it was a brick. I thought somebody had thrown a brick at the windshield. Um, but my brother goes, but the windshield's not broken. Um, so we get, so he says, do not stop. Like number one, rule number one, don't stop, keep going till we get to the ga the grocery store. So we get to the grocery store and we're trying to figure like, what was that? And there was a little owl that was in the hood of right where it hit, it hit in the hood and it got caught in that. You know, when you lift up the hood, there's a little crack. It got caught in there and we were trying and it was still alive and I felt so bad. My brother's like, I don't want to, we were so dumb. We're like, we don't want to take it out. Like we're so, we felt, we didn't, you know. We just felt bad. We're like, let's just go home. So we like drove home with that little owl in the um, 
we're stressed out at this point. So we drove home and we run in and we tell my mom, uh, oh, there's a, there's an owl. It's, it, it's, it's stuck in the windshield and it's still moving. And so at that point at the house that we lived in, my aunt lives right next door. So there's like, there's, there's three houses and it's, that's a lot of houses on the res are kind of the same way where, you know, we have grandpa living here, the uncles. So it's like, you're all in one place. Um, so we called over my aunt cause she was like, Oh, what's the commotion? And she, when she immediately saw that owl, she freaked out. She's like, put it down. Don't touch it. And cause we grew up in a, a Christian background. And so she said, drop the owl, don't touch it. And so she dropped, we, we said, okay. So we, we put the owl down and she said, watch the direction it hops away in. And so we're like, uh, I was just like, I just, I just like this poor thing's going to die. And so she goes, no, you have to. And so she was watching that direction. Like it hopped in. I think it went for either to the towards the north or the east i forgot but directions in navajo culture are very important like the sun rises in the you know at the east and the west and it, they're sacred uh, directions and so she so we watched the owl hop away and then she was really like upset and like really she could tell she was like kind of put out and so my mom, and then she left and she's like, I, I got to go home. So we, she's like, I'm going back to my house. So she left and we're like, mom, what the heck just happened? And she's like, well, like in traditional ways, like the owl is a symbol of death. Like it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's tied to that. And so she's like, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. Just go to sleep. And so like life went on. I went to school and, and then two weeks later, my dad and my mom came to talk to me. And so my dad is not, um, he's more traditional. He doesn't, like, he's not a Christian like we are. And so he, um, he told me that, so he, my aunt was really upset that I had it hit an owl. So she was worried, worried about me. So she and my dad, in that, that point that, that, that my, in the first episode I had, this um encounter with this this other skinwalker so i had that encounter and then i had this owl thing so my my aunt's like her soul's in danger like there's something going on to her um so then they go to a medicine man and i don't know that this is going on i have no idea my mom requested that my my dad and my aunt don't didn't tell me until they you know my mom thought it was appropriate so they went to this medicine man and they told her yeah like my niece my, you know, my daughter saw this thing and then she, 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 you know, ran into an owl. And so they're like, what does it mean? And so the medicine man was telling my, and some of them will like, um, you know, tell the future through different means. And so he was saying, oh, the owl, the, your daughter was supposed to die that night. And so the owl died and gave its life for your daughter. And so she was like, like she was like, I was protected by something. And then, and he goes and and she, she's special. Like she, 
she can see things. She's connected to that because she, this person who came to her, your, you know, she caught them. Like I was the one that was awake. I was the one that witnessed that whole thing. I was the one that alerted my family what was happening. And he's like, she, she has a connection and she has like a strong medicine. Like she, um, like she knows these things that it, like she's sensitive to it. And the owl knew that and knew that she should be alive. And so it gave its life for her. And so I was like, huh? Like, I just like thought about that. I was like, okay. Um, I don't know. I just kind of like toyed with that. And, and I've kind of, and I kind of believe that as I've like analyzed my life, I've kind of like, okay, I can see that because I've like most of the, like the, the things that happen in our home, they've happened to me or like, I'm the one that saw it. I'm the one that heard it. Um, like at night, I remember when I was a teen, like when I was like 18, I came home from college. It was me and my brother were sleeping at the same house. My parents never move. <laughs> like we're at this, <laughs> all this stuff happens. We're at the same house. <laughs> and, um, I was sleeping and I heard like, it was a windy night and I heard singing. The wind was carrying singing and I heard it. And my brother went out and like checked and like, I, like I hear these things and I'm sensitive to it, but, but like it, for a long time, like it took people didn't believe me or my mom be like, Oh, you're making that up. But after that, that whole thing with the medicine and my dad, they're like, Oh, okay. We can see it. Um, we can see like how, like, you're like, you can, and not like a sixth, I guess it's like a sixth sense in a way where it's like, I I'm sensitive to that kind of stuff. And, um, I guess that's why I like scary stories. Like I love hearing it. I love, I'm drawn to these kinds of things. So that's kind of like my background, I guess. I always trust Lee's instincts. Cause there was this one time we were eating dinner and I'm just enjoying dinner. Like nothing. I'm not sensitive to anything. And she goes, I think there's someone outside. And I like, I'm like, I'm near, I'm already crying. I'm like, stop it. And she's like, and she just runs up and she slams the door and locks it. And I like run back to my, like, I run back to my mom's room and I just like, oh, there's something outside. She's like, stop it, stop it. And sure enough, we hear like a huge doom, doom, doom on the door. And we're like, started screaming and we're like oh, that's right. but it was just a couple people passing by that got kicked out and needed some place to stay but her instincts are on point it, i trust it so much <laughs> <laughs> it scares me too though <laughs> yeah so it's like little things like that yeah. that happened to us but it's more to me like me and my mom out of all the family i think we've talked about it but there are just certain people who seem to be like on the right frequency or whatever, but they, it, it attracts them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have one friend like Kevin, I feel like is like that. Uh, then just certain people I've met, like my aunt has so many different experiences and it seems to like always find her in a way, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's like, I fully believe that. I fully believe some people are more attracted, but mm. um, you once, Threw it out there. You're like, you guys should come down to the res. Yeah. Does that offer still stand? Yes. <laughs> it's like, like, I feel like this story, to be honest, these stories that I'm, we're telling you are like mild. Like there are wild stories. Like I told you, I'm not going to tell them because they're not mine to tell, but like they are like gnarly. Like they are, 
full-on descriptions, fate, like what pe- these skinwalkers look like, what they do, and their ceremonies, and the way that they, they, you know, in intricate detail by people who've witnessed it or, you know, who've heard it from medicine men and different things like that. So you guys are always welcome to come down, and we'll find you the right people. Oh, my goodness. And it's also really scary when you're outside near a campfire mm-hmm. and we're like okay well you guys can sleep outside we're gonna go inside yeah <laughs> yeah you guys we're know? working on it yeah it, it, it it's so fun but scary. terrifying it's terrifying that's the best feeling <laughs> best feeling oh man uh, i want to ask about something you brought up on the last episode and i think that's it for me but you talked about how your grandma was a well-known medicine medicine woman no, medicine so man? she wasn't, but my her father, my great-grandfather was. Was a well-known medicine man. Mm-hmm. And women t- typically are not medicine women. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But one of the reasons why they were more well-known is because they knew more songs than other medicine men? I think, yeah. So I think a lot of it depends on, um, because it, it's almost like a religion. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, um... You have all these songs and these ceremonies and all these different things and and you have to get it right and it's they like a lot of them do sand paintings if you ever google navajo sand paintings that's another healing and there's crystal they look into crystals and they can heal using crystals and tell the future or different things like that um and those are things that are ancient that are originating from years and years and years so you to be a medicine man, you need to know those things. And my grand, my great grandfather was well known because he knew a lot of those um, ceremonies and songs in their original form. Like mm-hmm. in their, he paid a lot of attention to that. Um, his knowledge of ceremonies was very, um, like very thorough, and he learned from really good people who, who were also, you know, well known. Um, and also, I think medicine men, it's, it also goes along with the people and how much people believe in them. So back in the day, like a lot of people stuck to their cultures and the traditions. So of course, like they, you know, they um, use them, but I think it's different nowadays because a lot of people, like we're, we are Christian, me and my sister, and so we weren't raised with ceremonies or songs yeah. like that. So I think it's just, it just is diverse over time. So I I was mostly curious about, like, what types of songs there are. And then you started talking about, like, physical objects, whether it's sand painting or, like, crystals. Like, I'd assume there's got to be ones for, you know, the opposite of healing. Like, songs to hurt or curse. Is that a thing? Or is that... A wild, stupid assumption. No, I, th- I think I, and I, like I said, I, I don't know them. Like I can't tell you the names, but I, like from what I understand, skinwalkers like have their own code. Like they have their own ceremonies. They have their own rites of passages. They have their own songs, because it's an ancient form. Like it's witchcraft. They're called witches. So in most witches that I've that I've know of, they, you know, they have a higher hierarchy or society or, or things that they they subscribe to so i'm pretty sure that there are evil songs that they sing and to bring their power and to make their oaths and whatnot mm-hmm. um yeah 
I think that's it. So uh, did you guys have your own character system? Like we written? Or was it all oral? It's all most of it's oral. Um the United States government, I don't know if you guys know what code talkers are, the Navajo uh-huh. code talkers. Yeah. Um so they're mm-hmm. they used the Navajo language during World War Two to they writ, wrote it into a code and it was used at the Battle of Iwo Jima and Lorraine in the in the Pacific to turn the the favor into the United States. And that's how they, a lot of it's how they won the war is using the Navajo language. And at that point, that's when, I think that's when it started to be more in written form because they needed it to be. Hmm. Um, But before that, um, there's, there's like ancient signs and different things like that, but it's not like, I don't think it's like a written out, like, you know, alphabet. Alphabet. Yeah. And that's probably why it was so, like, another reason why it was so important to preserve your culture and to be together because you needed to literally be there to listen to probably your elders to learn. Yes. Like you couldn't go to the library, you know, <laughs> if you're living across the country away from your family to learn about it. Yeah. 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 100%. And um, yeah, you, it's a lot of it and it's not just like stories, but it's your family history. Like we have clans, like there's clan systems and that's how you, like you knew who you are. So that goes in that, to that too. Wow. Incredible. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I have one quick question. Mm-hmm. So when my mom lived on the res, she said she moved there. And I think she was named after the boys' mom, who was Joe. Uh, so mom and Joe, she said, someone had passed away in the house. And she said that they couldn't go or like sleep or go into the house for a year is that a thing you've ever heard of yes so navajos um a lot of it a lot of things are um like a lot of what taboos yeah there's a lot of taboos a lot of superstitions and a lot of um like for example death is one thing that is like you don't talk about it okay death death is like um it can be seen as like it's it's like when a person dies, you're technically supposed to burn the house. You're supposed to burn everything that uh, their belongings. You don't you don't wear it. Like you don't keep momentums. You you burn where they live. So you always want to have the person who's dying die in the house because wherever they were, then you got to get rid of that. Uh. Um, like when my grandma died, um, they rented her a whole. Oh, they, they didn't burn it down, but they like rented her a whole separate trailer so she could pass away in it. So it wouldn't be in somebody else's house because they don't because it's death is seen as like you when someone dies, they die and you don't want to call that to you. Mm-hmm. So some people will say not like I said, the, it, the traditions differ across the reservation. So some people may say like, wait a year because we need the house. So don't, you know, don't go in there. But typically you do want to show some side of respect when a person passed away. Gotcha. Okay. Is it what's traditional for Navajos? Like, do you bury your dead? Do you cremate or? Well, back in the day, yeah, they would put them in the houses and burn them with it. Um, and but nowadays we bury them. Um, and I think it's it's just changed as the world has gotten more modern. Mm-hmm. Is there reservation or Navajo slang? Yes, yes, there is. Go ahead, Lynn. Go ahead, teach him. (laughs) Um, I need to be conversing. 
So a lot of one thing is called, it's a, you just take the a and you stretch it out. A. Like that's all you say or is like. You just say a, like a, A, like, oh man, you guys are so funny. Like you just like, like it's like. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to all six. A. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and and they add S's to the end of everything. Like wood is woods, sheep is sheeps. Um, so you add S at the end of everything. Polly's kind of do that. Yeah. Like they'd call me Eldest Hatch, like on my mission, Elder yeah. Hatch. But yeah, like we're Eldest Hatch. Eldest Hatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Skoden is like let's fight. Like Ooh, Skoden. Oh, let's go then. Is that what it is? Yeah, let's go, but it's Skoden. Studes. Yeah, like Skoden. Like we want to fight. Let's go. <laughs> there's yeah. there's a there's one there's a joke that we like to do, me and Leah, about breaking dawn, like the Twilight movie. <laughs> like we're like, oh, we're gonna go watch break oh dad, we're gonna go watch Breaking Dawn. He goes, Oh, oh you broke down. Okay, I'll come get you. We're like, no, we're gonna go watch Breaking Dawn. Dawn. He's like, oh, Dawn. I know you broke down. <laughs> That's John. Yeah, it's like Resi Navajo um, talk. Yeah, I'm a little better. <laughs> yeah, she's better at it. That's funny. I mean, yeah. we could like we'll we'll do it without thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I get stronger when we get back home. But my dad's really good at it. He'll be telling a story. He'd be like, her and her went down to that house, and then and he came back. He was all weird. And like, my mom would be like. Him, he, hey. he, he went down to us. Yeah, that, that boy, that guy. What did he look like? Oh no. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. Hey. 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 hey, does he even know? We're like, oh, she's all, she's all wishing. You're like, meaning like, oh, she's just wishing she's all that. Yeah. Guy. That's so funny. <laughs> or like, is that? Is that? Is that? We always like, like the kid, like if Leah's waiting in the car, I like to like pretend I'm like, like. Someone trying to get in with they're like, hey, where are you going? Okay, I'll just jump in and I'll jump right up, okay? Like, it's just yeah, like, like it's, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah, I love it. it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Randomly, Sean will be like either watching something or like family will come around and he'll just slip right into his southern drawl. <laughs> and then when DJ's back home, he'll start speaking pigeon all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I'll flip the switch. Yeah. yeah. We were at a, a few years ago, we were at a restaurant, a sushi joint, and, uh, um, all the waiters were were Japanese, and uh, we were getting along with them. And he comes to me and is like, "What do you want?" So I order. I'm like, "I want, I know, Philly, Vegas, and uh, Godzilla." <laughs> and he brings it out, and uh, he brings me my Philly and Vegas and a soda. I'm like, what is this? And uh, he said, "Oh, Coke Zero." Coke Zero. <laughs> I said, "Coke Zero." <laughs> But it said Godzilla. <laughs> uh, language is funny. <laughs> that is funny. So another thing we say, we say, ee! When we, like, if we find something funny, ee! Or yeah. we make fun of people who are prepared for uh. some weird reason. Yeah. <laughs> or like, like, hey, y'all showed up with like gloves. Ee! <laughs> like just make fun of people if they're prepared. But you're secretly jealous. <laughs> yeah. oh, I all, want some gloves. <laughs> oh, she all put on her seatbelt. Dang, I'll Safe. <laughs> hey, hey. 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 Hey.
Like, yeah, it's just like it it's picks like up off on each other. We just yeah. tease each other. And now those are like naturally we're like a funny, like we were talking about this. So like Na- Native Americans are like seen as like stoic, serious people. And we yeah. are like we're really quiet. But um, we're humorous people. Like we love to laugh. We love to joke. And we and we we love to roast people. So like if you uh. are. <laughs> oh, dude, that's, that's this podcast. This is how it goes. Yeah. Like, that's how Native is. Like if you have a Native friend and they're roasting you and their family's roasting you, like, you know, you're in. You're in. Yeah. 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 We talk about it all the time, but it's like it's a way of like showing you love someone enough to like you trust there's trust so it's like oh i'm just gonna make fun of like the worst thing about yeah. you yeah <laughs> yeah oh and, i love that that's beautiful and it's like if someone can't take a joke it's like gross like get away from me yeah, <laughs> yeah. you weed out the, yeah. the losers mm-hmm. yeah. yeah our dad's super good we were actually talking about today because we're planning like a real fancy christmas dinner and we've never had a fancy christmas dinner and leo was like i said how are you gonna dress leo's like i'm just gonna wear a nice shirt and i was like oh i'm gonna get all dress stuff i'm gonna nightwear a nice dress and leah's like i could just imagine dad saying where are you going like, <laughs> why are you dressed up <laughs> yeah. like you got a nice guy. dress <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you trying to impress <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh what did you guys okay so like it's true i think um common perception is like stoic serious and just like uh, there's even a joke on like um not the office. It's the one that you heck of Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec, where it's just like everything a Native American person says, like a white person like takes it as like like mystical scripture. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you guys? It's seen a strong wind today. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just windy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But have you seen the show? Uh, Reservoir Dogs? Is that what it's the new show? Um, Reservation Dogs. Reservation Dogs. Did you guys watch that? that? Do you have any thoughts on it? Have you seen that one? I haven't seen it. Um, it's new and I I liked it, but I was we were more of like the old like our parents showed us like old movies like, um, Dreamkeeper, and that was our time, and so we're more of like we're more of like that kind of humor and that kind of time. Like I'm pretty sure Reservation Dogs is great. Um, but there's a different, and I'm, I may be ruffling some feathers if Native people listen to this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> um, I think there's a difference between urban Natives and mm. reser- you know, Natives that grew up on the reservation. Um, and I think, in my opinion, from what I'm hearing, people give me feedback on reservation dogs is that taps more into, like, these Native Americans who didn't grow up on the reservation. Uh. And so different experience. There's different, yeah, different and humor that comes with that. Yeah, and there's just like a different. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's just different. Like it's, and I feel like from what I hear, like that's reservation dogs is kind of tap is like that, mm. like the city natives, the urban natives, and they're trying to. So it's not relatable to some Native Americans because that's not what we grew up totally. doing. Because it's it, it could be two different things. Mm. But there is a character on there shows up you kind of think he's gonna be stoic and like give you wisdom but he just cracks jokes the whole time he's super <laughs> silly and so it was like the first time i saw like that side you know what i mean but but that's true yeah like yeah. there's there's people like you think that they're mean or that they're you're like oh no like be, be quiet and, like, yeah be reverent and then they just like yeah yeah they're fun they're the funniest that, yeah. that was our grandma she was scary i was scared of my grandma just like (laughs) out of like respect and stuff. out of respect uh, even though i was just scared of her because she (laughs) was so strong but then 
Yeah, she was a funny lady. Like, she knew when to crack jokes and just make you laugh. <laughs> she was so funny. I love her. Cool. Any other questions? I'm glad we got some lingo in. <laughs> <laughs> What's, like, the best Navajo food? I was going to ask that. Yeah, mm. that's the important stuff. I think, um, I mean, to be real honest with you, our traditional foods, we were just trying to make it. We were just trying to live. So it's things like squash and like deer meat and corn, corn, and uh, there's there's not really a lot of flavors to it. Mm. Like it's it's kind of bland. Come at me a lot of they're gonna, you know people are gonna say it, but I'm just gonna say it. Well, I, I say the same thing about Polynesian food. I think a lot of Polynesian food is bland, just because there's not a lot of spices. Yeah. in Polynesia, mm-hmm. to cook with same. It was same just here. sea salt. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Like some pepper. Yeah, no yeah. variation <laughs> in flavor. So it was like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, so like people will, s- like that's traditional foods. Mm-hmm. But then there's things like fry bread. Like that's really good. And people were like, oh, fry bread, fry bread. But, <laughs> but my it's not. Yeah, but in my opinion, well, fry bread. So the Navajos, when the, gov- the U.S. government was trying to relocate them to, you know, these different camps and stuff like that. And like the 1800s, they were, you they have these group of people you had to feed them, so they were giving them flour. But the pe- the Navajo people don't know what it is. They never had flour, mm. so a lot of people were eating it and they were starving, and they would die because they're never they're int- introducing this whole new food into their system, and they're mm-hmm. just eating flour. They don't know what to do with it, so a lot of them are dying. And then eventually, like the soldiers' wives were showing them, this is how you make it. You add, mm. you know, baking powder and water, and then you get fry bread. Mm. So that's my beef with fry bread, and people are like, well, it's you know, it's our culture, not in fry bread and it's like well how do we get it like it's not a traditional food it's almost like a symbol of like yeah that yeah so i i'm not a fan of fry bread but i know a lot of people like it navajo tacos are like a there's like little rivalries between the tribes so navajo navajos make the best fry bread and i'm saying it because i'm navajo (laughs) um (laughs) pull so for a while they banned because a lot of uh, like powwows and things like you know across different reservations across the country they were calling them navajo tacos but the navajos weren't making them Hmm. so they banned they officially banned you can't call them navajo tacos you have to call them indian tacos (gasps) because they were mad that navajos were doing it better oh they're salty (laughs) they were salty that's funny wait can i ask a ignorant question there's been a lot of like she didn't say yes, bro. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> May I? Yes. <laughs> What's up with like the preferred name? Because you hear Indian, you hear Native American, like First Nation. You know what I mean? Like, uh, at least in the circles that I'm in, and I hear it's like all of a sudden like this isn't allowed, or this is preferred, or like don't say that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, what are your thoughts on that? Personally, I um. I think it's obviously it's up to the person that you're talking to. Um, but I don't like Indian. Mm-hmm. I don't like that because originally Christopher Columbus thought he found India. And so he calls, you know, we were called Indian. Isn't that so weird? It just like stayed. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. And I don't, so I don't like Indian or American Indian. I prefer native. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about you? What do you think? Um, yeah, I, my dad always said that. He's like, we're not Indian, we're Native American. So, Native American, indigenous, 
won't be fancy dinner. <laughs> but that's like, I mean, like, I won't be offended if you won't call me dinner because, like, you have to grow up knowing the culture and language. So I'm not that type of person to jump on to someone who makes a mistake. So, yeah, I, sh- I just, I'm more really impressed with someone if they ask you. Oh. I think it's like with anyone else, even if they're asking, like, their gender or their name or, like, what's your name? Like, it's normal. So you're like, um, I notice, like, you're Native American, but is there anything else that you would like to be called? Hmm. And then I think that's just, like, helps you um, – get more comfortable asking and then you also connect with that special person and then you learn more mm. and then you just get more comfortable and also just comfortable with making mistakes too because i've made this whole like i went to hawaii and there's so many cultures and they ba- basically t- straight up told me like you don't know anything about the world do you i was like i don't <laughs> <laughs> like teach me and they're like okay this is what you call this person like this is how you say hello in fijians i say hello, hello in new zealand and bula yeah, <laughs> yeah, or boss, or something like that. So, and yeah. Fiji, and so uh, even then, I just made so many mistakes. But the people ta- there taught me how to do. Like, it's okay, you're learning. It's mm. fine as long as you're not like big headed and don't get offended. You're learning. So intention, intention, yeah, intention. That's cool because, like, I think there is a lot of fear to be wrong mm-hmm. nowadays. Yeah. So it's nice to hear that, like, it's okay. We're always wrong, so it's fine. Yeah. To, like, totally people wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I we posted a video once of me telling a story about Australia. It's like our most popular video. It has like, you know, 5,000 views or something, which is nothing on YouTube, but a lot for us. But like 90% of the comments are like, this kid's an idiot. Like he got everything wrong. Like none of this is right. I said there was a mountain lions in Australia. They're like, there's no mountain lions in Australia. I was like, <laughs> I was just telling a story. Like, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, we're very used to being wrong, but it's nice. Did you call like a Samoan a Tongan or something? No, I just thought someone from the like Philippines, since I didn't know about their history, so his name, his last name is De Guzman, so I didn't. I You're thought like, that he was Mexican. Spanish? I thought he Spanish. was, yeah. and I was, ex- I was like expecting him to get mad at me. He's like, "No, I'm Filipino." Like, and then he told me the history. He's like, "That's okay." Like, I. That's how I, we learn. Yeah, he's like, "That's I, I, I totally get why you'd be confused." He's like, "I thought you were. I thought," and then he told me, "I thought you were like." Hispanic too, because oh. you look like it. I was like, mm. no, I'm Navajo. He's like, I've never heard what Navajo who what Navajo is. Tell me about it. So that's cool. Yeah. It was really Hawaii was a very good place to learn about other people because people were very nice. And, and it's such a melting pot. Yeah, <laughs> and people were very kind. Mm. So I really loved Hawaii for that. Just learning about the different cultures. Love that. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. <laughs> Shall we wrap this up? Yes. <laughs> you two are welcome back anytime. Every yes. time. This has been a delight. It really has been. Yeah. Um, we told you off the pod, but yeah, any chance we get to learn about something new, especially when it's tied to people, is uh, that's got to be our favorite thing. So, thank and you. people unabashedly tell us, uh, whenever you have guests on, that's our favorite episode. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> <laughs> so like do more yeah, of that. We're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Um, but really, they are. And it's like, it's so fun to hear. That was my favorite part of being a missionary was like the unique opportunity to just hear people's experience and stories. And so it's kind of cool that we're like recreating that here. So thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for coming and sharing. I know it's like, it takes a lot to put yourself out there in your story. So we appreciate it. Any thoughts? Any closing? Clo- closing? Clothing? Closing thoughts? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Thank you. E, okay. E. <laughs> 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 I legit do that every time I get into bed and get cozy. I'm always like, e. 
<laughs> but anyway, all right. With that, thank you, listeners. We appreciate all of you. Uh, this has been another episode of 3 a.m. We will see you next week. Uh, and with that, bye, love, and be safe. Be careful out there. Trust your gut. Watch your back. And let's go then. Or let's go then. Dang it, I messed it up. <laughs> How do you say bye? Uh, hook on that. That. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs>Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so... Submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface, to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com